Welcome to the Brazil Church of the Nazarene Weekly Sermon Podcast. This is the message from Easter Sunday, April 21st, 2019, titled, The Resurrection. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Pastor Marlon Betts concludes his Lenten series from the devotional book, For God So Loved, by describing Mary's visit to the empty tomb. Here is Pastor's message. Well, we've been on a journey God so loved the world for Lent this year. We finally made it to Easter Sunday. Those of you that have held out and didn't have chocolate for the whole time, go home and bite the head off an Easter bunny. (laughs) If you waited this long. Anyway, some of you probably grabbed some chocolate this morning, first thing. Um, And uh, those of you that sacrificed meat, go out and get you some bacon. I hear they've got it on... uh, just about everything at McDonald's nowadays and, and Wendy's and bacon, yeah. Our familiar lesson this morning from John chapter 20 as we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. have been reading the passages about the resurrection again and it's exciting and important for us to do that on Easter Sunday morning. Let's stand together as we read John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So Mary ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And John outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, huffing and puffing, (laughs) came following him. I was thinking about this with John and Peter were reading their parts this morning. I was like, you know which one was huffing and puffing. All right. All right. And so when they came, Simon Peter came following John and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the handkerchief that had been around Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen cloths, but actually folded together in a place by itself. Then John, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that Jesus must rise again from the dead. Then the two disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary Magdalene stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. The angel said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Duh. She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, did not know it was Jesus, And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, 
Jesus is ascending to my Father and to your God and to my God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let's pray. Thank you for Easter. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We've been anticipating this for 40 days, looking forward to the time when we would celebrate with our friends and family the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, as we look to this passage, this familiar passage this morning, and and to our own lives. May we experience the resurrection of Christ because you, Lord, are living in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So on Easter Sunday and every Sunday for that matter, Christians gather in churches around the world to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we meet on Sunday mornings. Easter is a red-letter day. It is the highlight of every year. Christ's resurrection has profound implications for everyone. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. Resurrection then gives us hope. Resurrection is a promise. Because I live, you shall live. Resurrection means there's eternal life in heaven. And from the moment the resurrection was discovered, attempts were made to discredit it. But the scriptures are full of the eyewitnesses' account of real people who knew that the resurrection was a proven reality. And they spoke of it, and they told their story. One of these witnesses was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is called Mary Magdalene because there were seven Marys mentioned in the New Testament. So Mary was identified by her hometown near the Sea of Galilee called Magdala. And that distinguished her from the other Marys, including the mother of Jesus. So in her first contact with Jesus, Mary Magdalene had seven demons. And Jesus healed her from those seven demons. This seemed to indicate that she had physical, emotional, spiritual problems, all kind of issues. She had major issues going on when Jesus came across her pathway, and he set her free, and she was a new person. And so she became a supporter of his ministry after he healed her. And no doubt Mary came often to hear Jesus preach and teach when he was in the Galilee area. And this seems to indicate that that she had been radically changed. She loved Jesus for what he had done for her. She believed he was the promised Messiah. She supported his ministry financially. And when Jesus headed into Jerusalem that final time, Mary went along with a lot of other women and men on their road heading up to the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. A lot of people did that for that celebration. So Mary Magdalene was there at the cross, along with the mother of Jesus and some others, including John. They were there when Jesus died. She was there. And according to the passage that we just read, not only was she there right at the very end of Jesus' life, but she was there for the first morning when Jesus rose from the grave. Very special lady who was there to the end, and was there again at the beginning. 
One of the proofs that, uh, that we can say about the resurrection of Christ can be seen in the change that occurred in the life of Mary Magdalene. Before and after his resurrection. And if you were here in the sunrise service, you got to see that this morning. How Mary felt before and how she felt after. The first thing we notice in this change that occurred was she came to the tomb seeking closure. She came seeking closure. Death was very powerful to Mary. She had lost a good friend and a teacher and a mentor. The person who had healed her. Grief is also a devastating emotion. And there Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. She watched when Jesus was taken down from the cross. She saw the exact tomb where his body was placed by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. She knew the location. She was planning to come back. And she was convinced that her Savior was gone. That he was dead. She felt lost. She felt grief. Saturday was the Sabbath day. He died Friday evening. And the Sabbath day, nothing could be done. The Jewish laws were prohibitive of doing anything, much more than just eating and celebrating at, at church. But all day, Mary grieved. She knew that Jesus' body wasn't properly prepared for burial. There hadn't been time before the Sabbath began to do all the things that they normally do to preserve a body, and, or at least make it smell better. And the last gift she and the other women could give Jesus was a, a proper burial. And so from the other Gospels, we know that Mary and some other women came early to the tomb to finish this important task. They wanted to embalm the body of Jesus in spices. This was that final act of love that they could do for Jesus. Hopefully this act would give them closure. Following his tragic death. So she came seeking closure. We'll finish this off. We'll do our last act of love for Jesus. But at the tomb, she discovered confusion. The first sign of a problem was when they came that the stone over the tomb entrance had been moved. And when they looked inside, the women found out that the body of Jesus was missing. The women left confused, not knowing what had happened. They went back. And Mary told Peter and John, and said, you know, something's gone. His body's been taken away. And so Peter and John, as we heard, had a race to the tomb. John won, and Peter huffing and puffing came along and went in the tomb actually first. And there they discovered the same thing the women had said. The grave clothes were there, but the body was missing. So there was obvious confusion over what had occurred. It looked like someone had robbed the body from the tomb but why did they leave the shroud? Why did they leave the, the face cloth, fold it up, and place it to the head? That didn't make no sense. If you're going to rob a body, just take the body. Take it all. Grave robbing was, uh, was common in those days. So after Peter and John left, Mary remained by herself, not knowing what to do. And then she looked in again and saw angels inside the tomb. But they only asked a stupid question. Why are you weeping? I mean, isn't it obvious? She's lost her mentor, her savior, her 
healer. And not only did, she, did he die, but he's lost. You don't know where the body went. Why are you weeping? She goes outside and meets the gardener. Well, who she thought was the gardener, and she asked, he asked the same dumb question. Why are you weeping? I mean, what's the matter with these guys? Don't they know that if I'm weeping, it's because I'm missing somebody? I'm crying? And then he asked another question. Whom are you seeking? I'm seeking my friend Jesus. They ought to know that. What is it with men and their dumb questions anyway? The obvious questions. So through her tears, she asked the gardener a very obvious question. If anybody would have moved him and did not rob the grave, but had moved him to another location for some reason, it would have been the person in charge of the the place. And so she asked him where he had put the body of Jesus. So we see her coming for closure, but instead she gets confusion, not knowing what to do. In her grief, there was just nothing but questions, confusion. But outside the tomb, that familiar voice brought clarity. There is something unique about how people you love say your name, right? Mom says it one way, right? Dad says it a different way. And sometimes they can say it in different ways. And sometimes you know when they're about to get you. You know when they've caught you. You know when they're proud of you. Even grandparents say your name in a certain way, right? Some of your friends may say your name in certain ways. And you know if they're happy or you're whatever. So spouses even have a special name that they use for each other sometimes. There's just a certain way. And so for Mary... Jesus said her name a certain way when he was concerned about her and compassionate. Maybe it was the same way that it was that day when those demons were in her body and she was sick and she was a mess and she was just, all everybody in the whole town talked about her and nobody wanted anything to do with her. And Jesus said, Mary. And in faith she reached out. And maybe it was that was the way that he spoke to her this day. But when the gardener said Mary, she immediately recognized his voice. The person she had assumed through her grief was a gardener was actually Jesus, her teacher, her savior. So all kinds of emotions flooded through her mind. I saw Jesus die. I saw his body wrapped. I saw it placed in the tomb. And, and, and I grieved for the last 36 hours. And I came to finish the embalming. And his, his body is missing. I was so confused. But that voice, I know that voice. No one says your name the way Jesus does. He said my name when the demons left. He said my name when he taught me a new way to live. I know his voice. This has to be Jesus. This has to be that, my Savior. This has to be my teacher, my Lord. And in her excitement, she ran to grab Jesus, but he backed off from her and warned her that he had not ascended yet. And I don't know exactly what that means. 
except that his body was not ready to be touched yet. But he certainly allowed the disciples and others to touch him and other appearances after this. But for some reason, right then, he didn't want to be touched. But one thing for certain, Mary Magdalene had clarity. From closure to confusion to clarity, she believed in the resurrected Jesus. And she ran to tell others about that. She knew who Jesus was. And that's when Jesus gave her something else to do. So she left the tomb with a commission. Jesus sent Mary with a message to give to his disciples. They struggled to believe her until later they saw Jesus with their own eyes. A woman was not considered to be a credible witness in their culture. You had to have a man to see it. In fact, you had to have two witnesses. But the point is not whether they believed her or not. The point is that Mary was given the responsibility to share the good news. A woman became the first person. Think about this. A woman became the first person to encounter Jesus. She firsthand saw the risen Lord. And then she was the first to share the good news with someone else. The first person to see the risen Lord, the first person to tell others about Jesus, was a woman. That's phenomenal for the Jewish culture. And it says a whole lot about how God feels. And you know what? The good news hasn't changed for 2,000 years. Jesus died. He rose again. Good Friday is followed by Easter Sunday. The cross is always connected to the empty tomb. And when Jesus removes our sin, new life is resurrected out of the old. This is the cross. Here's the empty tomb. Here's the sins. Here's new life in Christ Jesus. It's the old story, but it bears repeating because it has never changed. It's what happens to us. There are so many ways to share the good news. And we should be sharing the good news. I was reading from the book Organic Outreach for Ordinary People and, and new thoughts began to work in my mind. Maybe this will help you to share the good news. The author wrote, Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Mercy is getting what you, or justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Thinking about that. You see, when somebody does something wrong to us today, what do we do? We go around, and they're doing it every day, screaming justice. We want justice. We want rights. We have our way. We want our way. Get justice. Funny thing is, when those same people do something wrong themselves, what do they want? You never hear a person who wrongs somebody else going around saying, Give me justice. I need to go to jail. 
I wronged you. Come and get me. No, what are they saying? Oh, extenuating circumstances. Oh, I, I, was, I was having a bad day. Ooh, uh, somebody just broke up with me. And ooh, give me mercy, give me mercy. Why is it guys get tickets and girls always turn on the tears and get a pass? Not nowadays? It don't work anymore? All right. Justice, get what you deserve. Mercy, no, it's me. I, I need extenuating circumstances that, you know, I've got, I got reasons why. Give me mercy. And grace, you don't even hear about that anymore. So think about it. You just left your favorite restaurant or the mall or wherever it was, shopping, eating, whatever. So you just had that Fiesta burrito or the Nacho Supremo. And you're walking out in the parking lot, and there's this guy, key in hand, who's just gone the length of your vehicle. And the flecks of paint are still falling off the key. Right? Justice, right? Justice? What does justice do? Calls the police. Justice files a report. Justice demands for repairs to be made. Make him pay, says justice. Hmm. What does mercy do? Mercy looks at the vandal and he says, That's okay. That's all right. I'll pay for the damages. You can go. But grace goes to a whole different level. Grace walks out when the guy is sitting there with his key in his hand, the side of your car all the way from fender to back bumper is ruined. And Grace reaches in his pocket, pulls out the keys to the car, and says, Here, you can have my car. You obviously need one. And not only that, but I think it was about to half tank, and if, if you'll allow me, I'll take you over to the gas station and fill it up and top it off for you before you go. And because I care about you, if you go down to the body shop and get that scratch fixed, send me the bill. I'll pay for it. See, grace is getting what we do not deserve. It is exorbitant, it's senseless, it's staggering. Grace takes our breath away and leaves us gasping in stunned amazement. What? As Christians, we're so familiar with the story of Easter that it no longer leaves us gasping in amazement. 
So a woman went to the tomb and saw Jesus alive, and the disciples had a race, and they got there, and you know, they, they tell all these stories, and then Jesus appears to them and says, peace be unto you, and shows them his hands and his feet, and, and they go, oh yes, thank you Jesus, and they sing a hymn and so on, and whatever. And then he ascends to heaven, and, and we read these stories, and we go, what's the big deal? Does it really make a difference? But let me remind you, you and I are the vandals. We're the ones who came to Jesus and vandalized his holy heart. Every time we sin, we might as well just come along and rip some paint off. And every time we do that, we might as well just tear a bumper off. And every time we do something else, we might as well just go ahead and deface the whole thing and knock out some windows and smash out something else because that's what we do to Jesus. And Jesus in his justice could say, you deserve to die. In fact, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. At any point in time, and it's happened sometimes, where people died and went into immediate judgment of God. But not us. We're here this morning because of the mercy of God. Because God speaks out in mercy and he says, that's okay. Even though his heart has been ripped open and he's bleeding for us, he says, it's okay. I'll let it go this time. You can go. And we continue on another day, another life, another week, another month because of the mercy of God who does not take us out like justice should. But the sins continue and mercy isn't enough. People still are sinning. People are still scratching the heart of God. So God sends grace. God so loved us so much that that he did more than hand us the keys to the car. No. He sent his only son. He offered the life of his son. That's more than the value of a car. He gives us his son. Jesus comes and dies on the cross for us. What did Jesus do wrong? Nothing. Nothing. That's grace. The one who is sinless became sin for us that we can be saved from our sins. This story we know so well, but when it comes to a car, we get up all set. But when it comes to Jesus, we think, what's the big deal? It is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. God sends grace, and Jesus came and died on the cross to remove our sins and to pay for the damages that we have done. But God's grace even went further than that because of the resurrection of Jesus happened and eternal life became a reality and God invited the vandals to move into his home with him for eternity. So not only do you hand him the car, but you say, come and live in my house. That's what Jesus did. Come and live with me forever.
Is it any wonder that probably the favorite song in the world for Christians is Amazing Grace? Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is getting what we don't, or not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And God just gives and gives and gives grace to us. Salvation from sin, eternal life, live forever with him. That's grace, folks. That's reckless love. God's crazy. Or else he really loves you. Which do you think it is? He's either nuts. That's what you'd say to the guy who keyed your car and then they hand him the keys to the car. You'd say, that guy's nuts. But in God's case, it's something that shows us that God really loves. How much do you love them this much? As far as the east is from the west. So far as he moved our transgressions from us. And so if we believe in the cross and we believe in the empty tomb, if Jesus has forgiven our sins and is preparing a home for us in heaven, then like Mary Magdalene, we have a powerful and exciting story to share. Let's don't keep it to ourselves. And we are here today worshiping God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the resurrection is not a stopping point for us. Believing in Jesus and becoming a Christian is really the starting point of living this life for Christ. Knowing Jesus was alive was not enough for Mary. She was sent by Jesus to share the good news with others. And we, like Mary, are told to go and tell others. We are called to breathe resurrection, to live resurrection, to sing resurrection, to do the work of resurrection in the world, that the dead places around us might come to life and we might see others join in this community of hope, the family of God, and the kingdom of the resurrection. We want others to have a part of this message. We want others to experience the grace of God. And so we share our message. Share the message at your school or in your nursing home, down your street, or when you go shopping. Share the message of the grace of Almighty God. Our message is so simple. It has been the theme of our Lenten journey this year. Our message is For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Share the good news. It's family altar time. Praise team's coming. We're going to have, as we do every Sunday, family altar. I'm hoping some will come today to celebrate Jesus and his grace, and his mercy, and his love. I'm hoping some will come in praise.
the Lord. And while they're doing that, some may come with some burdens or concerns, things that are going on in their life. Somebody's in the, gone to the hospital. We got a couple from our church in the hospital this morning. Let's, you know, you want to pray about that. Whatever it is that's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. If you'd like to pray, do that this morning. Bring your needs to him, but also, if you just want to ask Jesus, come into your heart. Please feel free to come and pray. Whatever your reason, let's come and worship the Lord today as we sing. Stand together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross and the empty tomb this morning. As the song just said, let's go tell the world of this treasure that we found. We want to tell people about Jesus, about grace. Lord, you went beyond and above what we could ever imagine. Lord, we are grateful today that behind the cross is an empty tomb. That Besides giving us, Lord, spiritual life and taking away our sins, you give us eternal life as well. You just add to and multiply. Lord, help us not to take it for granted, but help us, Lord, to share. Help us, Lord, to to love back. Help us to give ourselves to you and allow you, Lord, to, to just transform us from the inside out. And make us even better than we were yesterday. And Lord, help us to share the news. Help us to share the news. So Lord, we pray for our families. and We lift up, Lord, our concerns. And we, Lord, pray for those that need a special touch right now. But we also want to stop and just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for living for dying, for rising again, for teaching us, for starting the church, for, Lord, being the example. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the plan. Thank you that you put it in motion. Thank you that it took place. And thank you, Spirit, today for living in our hearts and guiding us into truth and showing us how we live and convicting the world of sin. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We love you today. We want to serve you. So be in our worship time as we continue in this service, Lord. Help us to lift you up and worship you, to give you our best, because you deserve it. It's Resurrection Sunday. You deserve our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. may be seated. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're looking for a church in the Brazil-Indiana area, The Brazil Church of the Nazarene invites you to join us as we seek Him, celebrate Him, and serve Him. Sunday morning, we have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. During worship, we have We Worship for preschool-aged kids and a children's church for elementary-aged kids. For this information, news, a schedule of events, and more, please visit us online at brazilnaz.com. That's B-R-A-Z-I-L-N-A-Z.com. Or visit us in person at 1002 East National Avenue in Brazil. Thank you and God bless.